Team Church, welcome back to the Team Church podcast with Kevin Gerald. My name is Brandon Stewart. We are so excited and honored to have you here today. We've created this space to have the conversations that every team needs to be having. And our goal, as with every episode, is to start the conversation, uh, but to have you take this to your team and finish the conversation. Uh, Wrestle through some things with us. We believe that this conversation today is going to help you. It's going to help our teams uh, to be healthier and stronger in the days in which we're leading. And today, uh, we're going to go there. Pastor Kevin on this episode is joined by Pastor Lonnie Keene, of Columbus, Ohio. Uh, We have a conversation for you today on race and kingdom. We believe it's so important that in the hour in which we lead, that the church stands united around kingdom principles, particularly when it comes to race. We believe that the gospel has something to say about this. And I'm going to warn you, today's conversation is up front It's bold and challenging. I want to encourage you to approach this today with an open heart and with an open mind. We believe that there is truth and there is wisdom in God's word for us leading in this hour. So hey, without any further ado, let's join Pastor Kevin and Pastor Lonnie Keene for a vital conversation on kingdom and race. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about uh, some some conversation and having some conversation with uh, a friend of mine that's here with us today. And I just want everybody to know that we're going to get real, and I want you to feel free uh, in this conversation that we're we're having today. I want you to just feel free to go. Oh my goodness! I can't believe he said that. Oh wow! I can't believe. And know that know know that we're not we're not talking today because we are wanting to bring any sort of strife even within you we are talking today because we feel like this is a topic that must be addressed by kingdom leaders and kingdom people and pastors like my friend who's here today and that is pastor lonnie keen pastor i welcome you today thank i'm so, so much glad. thank you so much for having me pastor kevin i appreciate it Appreciate being here with Team Church and the Champion Center family today. Yeah, Thank so you so exciting. much. Um, we've been friends for a few years now, yeah. but you have, uh, and you've been a part of our Team Church uh, gatherings, but in the last few years, we've just continued, I think, to know one another better. Yeah. And you spoke in our church just recently, and you're a preacher. <laughs> you're a preacher. What a great, strong, fresh word that you bring. You've actually spoke before that at, you spoke in Ohio one time at one of our team yeah. church one days. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was brilliant. Yeah, thank so you. I appreciate that. I just want to honor you in that way that you're a great communicator. I appreciate that. Today, we're going to talk about kingdom race theology is what we're calling it. And I'm actually taking this topic from a mutual, I don't know if we call him friend, we're not close to him, but we admire this church leader mm-hmm. and Tony Evans, Dr. Tony Evans yeah. is his name. And I think he has a book by this title. Yes. Um, so I don't know if it originates with him or not, but we're using this title today because we want to talk about kingdom, yeah, kingdom. race theology. 
And we want to talk specifically about the difference in the world's approach and the kingdom's approach to the topic of skin color and ethnicity. Yeah. And that, that's, where we're, that's where we're going today. And I want to begin with a scripture in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition mm. and not based on Christ. Wow. Think about that, that just for a minute. Let me pause. Be careful. The writer says that no one takes you captive into philosophies and deception that's based on human ways, human ideas, human traditions, and not based on Christ. So the writer's describing here, it's almost like the writer, in my mind, I see a boxing match. Like I see, in this corner we have the philosophy of the world, you know, and over in this corner we have the teachings of Christ. Yeah. And are you ready to rumble? Like that's, <laughs> that's how it hits me. Like you, there is a battle, there is a wow. war, there yeah. is a fight. And, and the writer is saying, be careful that you don't get on the wrong side of this fight. So yeah, Pastor good. Lonnie, here's, here's my question for you. I wanna ask you, have you seen good people or God's people be taken captive by worldly beliefs or deception, ideas that are not compatible with the kingdom way? And if so, then what's an example that you might have or some examples you might have of, of the two beliefs that are in the world, you know, world, worldly belief versus a kingdom belief and, you know, beliefs that are not compatible? Yeah, that's a great question. I think for me, first of all, would be um, that oftentimes you just mentioned uh, Tony Evans' book, Kingdom Race Theology, and he says something in it. I've, I've read half of it. I've read all of it. But he says something very interesting as it relates to skin color. And he said, we're not colorblind. Mm. He said, but we can be blinded by color. Mm, that's good. And I think that's a, a very, very poignant point there because uh, oftentimes uh, we can allow the color of our skin to trump the finished work of Christ that's done, been mm. done in our hearts. Yeah. And so I often tell people this, I tell my church this all the time, it hasn't always been palatable and easy to receive, but I tell them I'm not a black man who happens to be a Christian, I'm a Christian who happens to be a black man. Wow. Wow. And so my identity is not in the color of my skin. My identity is in what Christ has done in my heart. Mm. And so I think there's tension there. We know that the world's way and the kingdom's way are diametrically opposed to one another. And so just, you know, helping people understand, yes, we value our ethnicity. Yep. We're, we're, we're godly proud of who God created us to be. But it doesn't trump what Jesus has done in our hearts. Wow. And so I think to me that's one of the uh, areas of... Um, where people have somewhat uh, muddied the waters, and even believers have muddied the waters and have taken their ethnicity over what Jesus has done and what the Word of God has said as it relates to, you know, us as um, kingdom people. Um, Be because, I, because the Word of God literally does say, right, that we're not black or white. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it really does call yeah. us out 
of Jew and Gentile thinking. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and by one blood. So God created this whole family and he said by one blood. So it's interesting, even scientifically, uh, they, 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 scientists found out that there's not white blood, black blood. It's not yellow blood, red blood. If mm. we have the same type, my blood will work in you, your blood will work in me. Wow. And if I need your blood, the color of your skin won't matter. Wow. Right? So it's one blood. And that's how God created the family. And he said, through the blood, through the blood of Jesus, it brings us all together as one. And so, uh, yeah, the scripture is very clear about it. Yeah. Wow. I think one other area is, um, I, I consider this the acid test. I've taught this at my church. Um, the acid test for whether someone may be prejudiced, bigotry, racist, whatever, it's not if, you know, I work with white people. It's not if uh, I go to dinner with white people. It's not if I have them over for a cookout at my house. It's not the acid test. The acid test is, can my black son marry your white daughter? Mm. Mm. That's the acid test. Mm. And can your white son marry my black daughter? Mm -hmm. And so I think that the world's way of seeing it is we often teach, and this is a lot of ethnicities, it's not just one, a lot of people in the world teach marry within your own ethnicity. And that's not kingdom, it's right. not Bible. Right. There's a gentleman in our city, he's a pastor, and um, I was talking to him one day and I found out that he would marry two blacks who are of different religions before he marries a white and a black who are both Christian. Wow. So, so this, this worldly, it's, it's seeped over into the church. And so, you know. He, he would marry, let me show you, he would marry a Christian and a Muslim, for example. That were both black. That were both black. Before he would marry two Christian, two believers, Christ followers, who one was black and one, one was white. Yeah. Because his whole philosophy or theology is you marry within your ethnicity. And so I just think, you know, the Bible tells us uh, that uh, not to be unequally yoked with the color of your skin. <laughs> it says not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Unbelievers. And so the prerequisite for marriage is not ethnicity. It's, it's what wow. we believe, our faith. Wow. Our... our um, Faith in Christ. Right? That's so good. So in, in 2020, the wake of the, the George, George Floyd's death, and there was an organization that came out, Black Lives Matter. I mean, it was already there, but man, it appeared on streets in New York City and stadiums, on, on football players' helmets, on basketball players' shoulders. And uh, it, it just became, it swept the nation, it swept the world, Black Lives Matter. And some of our biggest corporations in the world were resourcing it, funding it. I'd just like to hear your thoughts on whether you think at this point that that has helped bring people together or has it actually hurt, like has it helped or hurt the unity of the church? Yeah, uh, I think it's created a dissension. Um, not only in the church, really in the world. But uh, it's very damaging when it happens in the church. And I think because uh, Black Lives Matter is 
um, is a deceptive organization. Uh, I, its mantra is the injustice of black men, but its real mission is queer folk, transgender, lesbian, and so it's, it's cloaked in let's help the black community, but its real mission isn't about the black community. Mm. Uh, I can mention names like, you know George Floyd, right? We know Trayvon Martin, mm -hmm. because these are all people who uh, had some sort of seemingly injustice by white police officers. Mm -hmm. And so the platform was there. But I can mention names of two-year-old babies who were murdered the same weekend in Chicago by other blacks, but nobody knows their name. And so Black Lives Matter means all black lives matter. And so it's just one of those deals where for me, as a believer, uh, I don't condone their real mission. So it breeds confusion in the church because yeah. many black people don't condone that mission. But this narrative is being pushed, but we're for black people. And so we kind of lay hold of that. But at the same time, this confusion is back here because now we're hearing what they're really about. And so it really creates confusion and dissension uh, in the black community and in the church, which I think is very dangerous. Wow. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Black Lives Matter. Many of you probably already know what their mission is and, you know, that they... Uh, are really to dismantle the Western patriarchal unit of the family, which that means that's the man. So on, on one token, we're saying we want justice for these black men, but on the other token, we really don't, we think that system isn't the correct system. Let's remove them from the home yeah. because they're, they're, they're transgender. That's their, that's their goal. Yeah. The, the lesbian queer folk is really what their, uh, their mission is. Yeah, and so the, the 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 Black Lives Matter is just the cloak to deceive, right? And uh, that's what really brings the disunity. It's it's pretty scary for me having like watched, and I'll never forget the rest of my life a lot of the the shock that I felt when people were jumping on the Black Lives Matter bandwagon and there was nothing that a person like me felt like I could actually engage in conversation and mm -hmm. say anything publicly on a public platform mm -hmm. uh, without it being misunderstood and only causing more, you know, it was like entering into a world of confusion uh, rather than observing the confusion. And I, I just never, one of the things that I found right away, just my nature is to, is to research stuff and things like that happening, like what's driving this, what's behind this, and I found the mission statement of Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. And when I read the mission statement that you're referring to, I went into shock, and then I started calculating, how do I even talk to our own staff about this? Mm -hmm. And that, that's not normal for me. Yeah, yeah, like after sure. this long, of pastoring, I don't get tentative very often with my team and our team. And I became tentative. 
how much can I actually go there with, you know, without, because it's so highly emotional. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to consider people's, um, you know, people bolting, overreacting. It's almost like you can't touch, if, if somebody's just wounded, you don't touch the wound. Yeah. You let it heal a bit, yeah. and then maybe you can work on it yeah. or deal with it. So I remember that feeling, and I've never really felt it like that in my, my whole life in ministry. And I had the same feeling. <laughs> so it's because um, for you to touch it, you would have been considered racist. For yeah. me to touch it, I'd be considered Uncle Tom. So the rocks are coming for people who think kingdom, who think scripture, right? And so I just think it's a form of persecution for just, you know, taking the, dealing with the tough issues. And so... Some of the risk I took was a, you know, I just talked to our staff about it, but the, the, I, also, I also cut and pasted and sent it to a few friends black and white pastors. And I, there's some relationships got hurt yeah. and wounded by the fact that I literally sent them something that was on Black Lives Matter wow. mission statement and revealed the real mission of transgenderism and, and coming against what they call the nuclear family. And then as people like me started spreading the word, I don't mean that boastfully. I just mean as word got out, I guess. It, it is, uh, they scrubbed it. Yeah, they scrubbed the list. They scrubbed it off their website. Yeah, yeah. And it was no longer you could find it. Nope. So nope. it's like we walked through this deception that was yeah. horrific yeah. in nature. And anyway, let's talk about something you and I both believe in. The gospel of the kingdom is that whether you're male or female, you know, we touched on this a little bit ago the the bible says in galatians 3:28 there is no jew or gentile no slave nor free male or female for we're all one in christ jesus so we just finished the black history month it's every february and i want to show a clip uh, of morgan freeman it's an older clip um, and then I'm going to ask you to comment. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to comment on it. So let's have a look at the clip. Black History Month you find ridiculous. Why? You're going to relegate my history to a month? Oh, come well, on. What do you do with yours? What, which month is White History Month? <laughs> no, well, no, no, come on. Tell me. Well, the, I'm Jewish. Okay. Which I'm month sure. is Jewish History Month? Uh, there isn't one. Oh, oh, why not? Yeah. Do you want one? No, no, no. I, 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 I don't either. I don't want a Black History Month. Black history is American history. How are we going to get rid of racism? And stop still... talking about it. I'm going to stop calling you a white man. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you to stop calling me a black man. I know you as Mike Wallace. You know me as Morgan Freeman. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty heavy. That yeah. is really heavy. And, and 
Don't, anybody who's getting nervous right now, we're not here to start a campaign against Black History Month. <laughs> no, but I, I, don't think, I don't think you hear that talked about so easily yeah. as it flows out of his mouth. Yeah. I'm just interested in your thoughts on that. Yeah, so the question, what he thought about Black History Month, I think he's not go away with it or something he said. Yeah, I think that I, I agree with that. Uh, let me try to give a little bit of um, uh, history. Um, so I understand why we push for Black History Month. Um, and, and that is because blacks want to have a voice to be heard. And so, uh, but I agree with Morgan Freeman in that uh, black history uh, can't just be recognized one month out of the year. Mm. Mm. And in the black community, we say, then they gave us the shortest month of the year. Like, couldn't we get more? I think 31 days. One one more month, we'd have got 31 days, right? So we got 28. (laughs) And so I just think that... um, just like scripture or anything else, it's, it's history, it ought to be taught all the time. It ought to be taught daily, it ought to be taught monthly, it ought to be taught all year long. And then the other piece of it, at Pastor Kevin, is uh, one of the things we don't talk about is, uh, you know, the total history. Like, like, we can't, like, I love what he said, black history is American history. So, we don't talk about how white America was a part of our black history. In that even in slavery, it was whites, I'm gonna just use this term for the sake of conversation, good whites that helped free the slaves. Mm. But we don't talk about that. Mm. We talk about Harriet Tubman, absolutely had a great place in history. But the slaves, real history teaches us, the slaves could not have gotten free if there weren't white people who lended a hand to help. These were white people who had to be very courageous, who suffered persecution. There were many white people who were never for slavery, but they were fearful to stand up because of what might happen to their own lives. But then there were other whites who did stand up and did suffer the persecution to help blacks get free. That's a part of black history. We should teach that, because I'm about unity. Let's bring the church together and understand that all white people aren't racist, all black people aren't racist, and so let's teach the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Wow. So help, so help me God. Me God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so why do you think God's people are so quick Many of God's people in the church is so quick to get caught up in race-related strife and division and so forth. One of the reasons in the church is just through bad teaching. Mm. Just bad teaching. Like, for an example, like I teach our church. We're predominantly black church. And there are certain things that are echoed. And, like, they say, uh, they say, if you want to hide something from a Christian, put it in the Bible. Because they don't read it. Uh, that came from, if you want to hide something from black people, put it in a book. Because mm. they don't read it. Mm. So I teach our church, we won't be an ignorant church. 
I'm going to encourage you to read. I'm going to teach you the truth. Yeah. I'm going to be like, do you hate me because I tell you the truth? And, and Paul said this. He said, at least consider what I say, and the Lord give you understanding. So I'm going to give you the truth, and so I'm going to teach the truth. And the truth is that there are certain things that are being echoed in the world that as the church, we ought not be adopting those things. Yeah. We ought not be picking up those things. Yeah. And so I just think bad teaching. I think there is somewhat of a hypocrisy in the church. I know in my own city, there are churches that preach, you know, that abortion is wrong. They preach that homosexuality is wrong. They preach about the family. Uh, they preach all of these wholesome things that come from Scripture. And then when, you know, political day comes around, seems like all that goes out the window. And they start endorsing people who believe totally against what they've been teaching all year long. So it seems confusing, and that's why the church can't stand strong. You know, the Bible says if the trump gives an uncertain sound, who can prepare for the battle? We haven't been given a clear sound to the church to really say, here's where I stand on the issue. So this is why I love what you're doing. You're giving a clear sound. You're blowing the trumpet and saying, here's the sound, church. Yeah. And I, that resonates with me. Okay, okay, so I got to then ask you, that's where we are right now in your, what you're mentioning is... What do you think about the fact that we get accused of, of being political? Like the minute I started standing up, so yeah. to speak, and trying to represent kingdom value yeah. and kingdom teaching, some of what I heard was, oh, you're, you're getting political now. Yeah. Like, but yeah. do you have any thoughts on that whole idea? And what do you say to those who might say pastors can't be political in their... Well, I, I think uh, one thing, I learned this from you here recently, uh, stay in your lane, <laughs> right? So if you start coming over in my lane, that's, that's a problem. That's one. The, the other thing is uh, what, what, this was talking about reading and understanding, having a clear sound. I'm not talking political. I'm talking biblical. So you call it political. But really, these are biblical issues. Mm -hmm. So if I stand up and I talk about abortion, that's not a political issue. Not in my mind. It's a biblical one. Yep. So if I talk about, you know, same-sex marriage, or a marriage is between one man and one woman, that's not political. That's, mm -hmm. So what happened is people have taken things that are biblical and they've made them political. So when I preach biblical, you think it's political. It's not. It's biblical. Mm. And so I think that's important for us to understand. We're going to stay true to the Bible. Whatever you think about it or not, we understand in the beginning, these things were not so. Right. I have a question that I really wanted to ask you because there's a, it's back to the race thing a, a bit, but there's, this is another absurdity that I've heard in the last year or two, and this is being propagated, promoted, university level, intelligent people are saying this, and that is that the black people can't be racist. Hmm. Can you explain that to me? Like, how, how does that logic? I'm not totally sure. I've heard it. Uh, I, some of the logic that I've heard, um, if I go based on Webster's dictionary definition, then black people can be racist. But some of the logic that I've heard is that you can't be a racist 
when you don't hold to position of the oppressor. So you can only be racist if you hold the position of the oppressor. But uh, I knew some poor racist people, right? Mm -hmm. Wasn't oppressing anybody. They were oppressed, but they were poor and they were racist. Because racism is simply having a prejudice in your heart, a bigotry in your heart, that you are superior to another ethnicity. Mm. So whites do that, blacks do that, Asians do that, mm. Hispanics do that. Mm. Nobody has the monopoly on racism, mm. right? So yes, I think that it's a heart issue and the prejudices that were really taught to us because nobody comes here prejudiced, it was taught to us, and so, yeah, I think definitely blacks can be prejudiced and racist. And that's my personal opinion. Again, I wouldn't know some of the, some of what some of these gurus might be saying about it, but I do know I've heard well, that what, you yeah. have to be the oppressor. Yeah, and you, so I disagree with that's that. That's what I heard, or that's what I read up on as well, is that if you're not the oppressor, then you basically you can hate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're allowed to hate yeah. uh, or or have a prejudice, and it. But we can't call it racist. And I just again, these are things that that I, I hear that, and I think, man, I have experienced, I have experienced hatred from black people, and even when it wasn't ratcheted up to hatred, I have experienced hatred. I have been beaten up. Uh, for being white, uh, I have experienced, and, and I have been uh, falsely accused. People have believed something about me because what they saw was white skin, mm -hmm. and a, a leader who is white, a person in power, yeah. and they automatically buy in to a logic and a philosophy, which is very judgmental. So I've, I've had it at that level. Yeah. And I can only, I guess, sometimes speak from a personal experience to go, that's, doesn't, I don't, I, don't, I wouldn't see how that's possible. Yeah. Um, and you've, I think, clarified it as well. It's just, our hearts are evil, right? The hearts are evil. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, uh, this is one of the reasons the systems aren't working. Because so many men, his hearts are full of sin. Mm -hmm. So sin is always going to lead to brokenness. And so this is why the kingdom it is, it's the kingdom race theology. It's not, it's not your theology. It's not my theology. It's God's. It's the right. kingdom's way of thinking. Right. And that's the only system that's not broken. Right. So that's the system I believe we, especially as leaders and pastors, ought to turn to and turn the people that we lead to. Yeah. We're almost going to wrap up here, but before we do along these same lines, there's new words that got adopted, new words, and one of them is white privilege. What's your thought about that? Is it okay for Christians to, to use that phrase? Um, you know, here's what I think. I think, no, we shouldn't. We should, so so let me name a few and then you can talk about woke or wokeism, white privilege. Um, take those two. BLM. BLM, yeah. Black Lives Matter. Cancel culture. Shaming is all, all this <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. What, uh, is it, it, should we be using those or should we be substituting more kingdom words? Um, yeah, I, I think we need to be substituting the words. Verbiage is everything. Um, it's it's kind of like what 
Morgan said, just quit always calling me a black man. Let me quit always calling you a white. Verbiage is everything. And it's not that I don't see the color of your skin. Mm. I'm just not blinded by it. And being blinded by it means I come with preconceived notions or ideas based on it. That's, that's what's blinding me mm -hmm. when I do that. Mm -hmm. So I think, yes, we need to get away from certain verbiage. For an example, like, there's certain verbiage, it doesn't necessarily mean the verbiage isn't true to some degree. Mm -hmm. But as a kingdom builder, mm -hmm. I want to say it's not true for me. Mm -hmm. It's not true for the body of Christ. It's not true for the church. And so I think that's very important that we understand. It's almost like the scriptures say, you know, I learned from my word of faith, brothers, you know, um, um, uh, the word of God says, speak those things that are not as so, right? right. So, so I'm sick, but no, confess my healing. The sickness, I'm not, yeah, but confess my healing. So I see the same thing with racial issues or any other issues. There, yes, there's transgender issues out there. Yes, there's abortion. But I want to keep speaking. I want to speak God's answer to those issues. I'm going to use different verbiage and say, no, nah, we don't want to recognize that. Continue to give life to that through how we speak. So, no, I think we need to quit using terms like white privilege and um, whatever the other, woke. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like you have to be careful in jumping onto those. Do you agree with that? Jumping onto a lot of the bandwagons of just there's yeah. a lot of young people that are watching us and a part of this today, and that's just part of I think a young culture, and it's what's being propagated and promoted, and now it's starting to roll off of people's lips. Yeah. Um, and in the kingdom, and I guess my question to you is that is that going to build greater unity, the kingdom way, the God way, or are we buying in and using? verbiage that would be divisive and yeah the God the God that I came to know is a God of love it's a God that overlooks the Bible says it right man looks on the outward appearance mm -hmm. but God looks upon the heart mm -hmm. and so uh, my prerequisite for people in my world, in my life, is the sound of their heart. Mm -hmm. Let me hear what's in their heart. The Bible says whatever's in there in abundance is going to come out. So if I'm around Pastor Kevin long enough and racism is in there, it's going to come out. Yep. If he's around me long enough and racism is in me, it's going to come out. Yep. So to me, it's what's in the man's heart, not the color of his skin. Mm -hmm. Some of the closest people in the world to me are white. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's the fact. That's the truth. I'm not going to apologize for that. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I have a great black friends. Like, I don't want to sit here today and I, and I, you know, like when I say I'm a Christian who happens to be a black man, not a black man happens to be a Christian, I love my black heritage. I love black culture. Sure. Good. Like, I love gospel music. Me too. <laughs> Some soul, right? Yeah. We are rhythmic people, right? Yeah. There's, there's certain things we bring to the table, right? Yes. There's certain culture that we bring to the table. Yeah. And I love it. I love yep. the creativity that black people have, right? Yep. But, but as much as I love about my ethnicity, it doesn't trump what I have with God. Mm -hmm. My relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And so if he tells me to make a decision that may look like is contrary to the color of my skin, then I have to follow 
God's, you know, instructions. Sure. sure. Well, we're going to, uh, before or as we close the day, I'm going to ask you just to, to pray with everyone in just a minute. But um, the, the, I wasn't planning on saying this, but I'm sitting here thinking about this conversation. I'm thinking about the great speech, uh, Martin Luther King. And from what I, and I have a dream. And from what I have understood about that speech is that he was such a, he was that gifted orator who could feel the, the, not just the audience, but humanity and could then put it into words. And he went out for what I believe was supposed to be a 10 minute talk that day, or maybe yeah. it was technically 13 minutes. I don't remember, but he went out there and he got somewhere in there six, eight minutes into his notes and his plan speech. And he could feel the audience wasn't he wasn't taking them where he wanted his to go. heart he wanted to go. His heart wanted to take them. Yeah. And as a communicator, we really can appreciate he he shifted mm. in that moment. And that's where you watch. He's in other words, he kind of threw away his notes and he started talking from the heart. Yeah. Wow. And the, and he said, "I have a dream." Yeah. Wow. And then he took it from there and he made those those verbal word pictures yep. come alive of a white child and a black child hand in hand yeah wow and just it was such a beautiful and historically coming from a man's heart yep. here we are today and i think that's really why i wanted to have this conversation while you were here with me in town and really go there because i i i don't feel like we're advancing and it bothers me because i share his dream yeah and yeah. I believe that that's a God dream. Yeah. And I, I, I don't yeah. think we've headed in the right direction. And we've talked about it all today with a lot of things we've embraced. And yeah. But how can we, God help us to somehow find Can out. I Can I share a couple of things on how much time we have? I just, as you said that, that was so good. Because think about this. Martin Luther King preached nonviolence. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. He... As, as he and other blacks were being beaten, were having fire holes, were having dogs sick on them, mm -hmm. he used his voice mm -hmm. to combat that. So he used words yes. to combat that. Yes. He, he will turn the other cheek, we won't fight fire with fire. And he spoke love and he spoke unity. That is unfathomable to the natural mind. Mm -hmm. The natural mind says, let's gear up and let's go fight. Mm -hmm. yep. And this man had made so much impact and momentum by using his words. Yeah. And I believe that's the, that's the, that's the mark, that's what Jesus did. Mm -hmm. He preached the word, yes. right? Remember, they come one day to get him, Peter's pulling out swords, and Jesus said, no, that's not, my, that's not of my kingdom. Yep. Yeah. The kingdom is a message. It's a, and, and I want to say this real quick in closing. Matthew 24, Pastor Kevin. And this, is why, this is why when you started preaching this, man, something leaked in me. Something leaked in me. We changed the name of our church about three years ago. It used to be Kingdom Christian Center. Mm -hmm. God had always been speaking to me about the kingdom. But we changed our name to Strong Point Church. 
Matthew 24, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, when is the end of the world? I believe they were talking to Jesus about the demolishing or the destruction or the, um, the, um, the end of the earth. Like, if, when is it going to be all over with? And Jesus goes and gives them this whole litany of things. Wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, uh, divers places, earthquakes, uh, the heart of many are going to wax cold. Remember all of that he yep. said? And then he said, but this isn't the end. These are the beginning of sorrows. Mm -hmm. And yep. then he said something very interesting. He said, when the gospel of the kingdom is preached, yes. then shall the end be. Yes. I believe Jesus was saying, when he answered their question about the world, he wasn't talking about the earth. He was talking about a system, wow. the world system. Wow. And the only way it comes to an end is we preach the kingdom's system, wow. God's way of doing things. Yes. And I, that, when, you, when I started hearing you preach, I thought, man, this is where the church needs to go. And here's what the church needs to hear. And I think really that was Martin Luther King's life was lined with that. Yep. Using his words, yep. the power of a platform. And that's why every Sunday when we get up, I think we need to understand as pastors the opportunity God has given us with that platform to use words to transform uh, a situation. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely. Why don't you, uh, why don't we end this with prayer? Just pray over the people that are out there and been a part of this. Day. Let's bow our hearts today. Father, we just thank come you. to you. We just thank you for this time spent. I thank you for Pastor Kevin. I thank you for just this, this panel, this session today on uh, some difficult issues, but issues that need to be discussed, yes. need to be addressed, and talked from the heart and the mind of God. And we just thank you, Lord, that you have uh, spoken today and that our hearts are open to receive your truth. Because at the end of the day, we are lovers yes. of your truth. Yes. And Father, uh, continue to uh, massage our minds and yes. massage our hearts with some of these tough, tough subjects. Mm -hmm. That we might be open to you. All of those who will be listening today, Father, let us be open yes. to your will and to your way. So the kingdom way. Your ways of doing things. Yes. We seek that first. And all other things shall be added. We thank you for this. We ask it all in advance. We praise you in advance for it. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, hey, I think you can agree this was an important, vital, necessary conversation for us today. Thank you, Pastor Kevin. Thank you, Pastor Lonnie. Uh, I hope you'll join us next month as we have teed up another great and vital conversation that we all need to be having. In the meantime, however you're watching this today or listening to this today, why don't you hit subscribe, get notified uh, next time an episode is released. We'd love to have you join us. And hey, I want to invite you this August to join us at Team Church Conference here in Tacoma, Washington, August 1st through the 3rd. It's our 20th anniversary celebration. I want to invite you to be in the house, bring your team, uh, for what we believe is going to be a very, very special conference. So Team Church, we love you. We're with you. We're, we're standing with you in this time. And until next time, God bless you.